This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. James Golden, known popularly as Bo Snurdly. This is The Rush Hour with Bo Snurdly. Rush. On the Red Apple Podcast Network. And good afternoon and welcome to the Boston Early Rush Hour. I'm Anthony Weiner filling in for James Golden today. I'll be with you until 5 when we hand it off to John Katsimatidis for the top-rated drive-time show, Cats at Night. So great to have you along, Rich and Ava on the other side of the glass. You can catch us on the radio, Good Old Fashion Terrestrial Radio, or download the app or wbcradio.com. And it's a busy day today, lots going on. Uh, don't want to waste any time at the top of the show without acknowledging that today we laid to rest firefighter William Moon, who um, it just adds to the list of those everyday heroes that get up in the morning and do a job to run into danger when we run away from it. Our thoughts and prayers are with him and his family. Also, uh, some other news of a much lighter and maybe, you know, it's, it's some people are, are making, I think, too much light of it. The first dispensary is open. You heard during the news break, the first marijuana dispensary is open. We're going to have a a conversation with our own uh, Curtis Slewa, who's down there. He's going to try to call in at some point during the show. I think 4.20 is the actual time. Oh, yeah, 4.20. I get it. The actual time when – I have to tell you, I, I mean, I'll, I'll talk about this a little bit with Curtis. You've got politicians down there bragging how they're buying marijuana. I, I, I don't know. But we'll see. Um, got uh, a long video from Jordan. My son Jordan and Huma are out in L.A. They're on a little bit of a work vacation. Huma's out there for work. Jordan's out there just having fun. And what was the thing that Jordan wanted to do the most when he got out there, my 11-year-old? He wanted to go to In-N-Out Burger. So he sent me this long video of him at In-N-Out Burger. He loves it. Uh, a little bit of the news today. David Brooks of the New York Times does a story about Santos and goes out of his way to take down me and to take down John Katsimatidis and the station you know, for not doing New York Times-style journalism or something like that. He he didn't – David Brooks doesn't realize – and I'm a fan of David Brooks. He's got, he's got books that I like. I like reading them. But the condescension was dripping off the page. And I have to say, you know, he says, well, you know, John didn't ask serious questions or something like that. Remember, the first person to get Santos on the record about where the money came from was John's question. And so – you know, for the New York Times. I mean, I look. I, I, I'm I'm a, a progressive guy, but the New York Times. I have no patience for it. And I I also want to say a word of thanks. Getting a lot of encouraging. You know, people have had an have an impression of me. Just like on my weekend show, the middle that we do on on, on two o'clock on Saturdays. It took a little while for listeners to kind of who were more right leaning to be like, oh, this is a different Anthony Weiner than I am used to. And people don't realize I've been through a lot. It's been a long time. I'm a little bit different. I enjoy having real conversation. I, I, I don't feel at all uncomfortable having conversations with people that agree, disagree with me without being disagreeable. And so I've gotten a lot of feedback, and it's been really great. And I'm really grateful to uh, to John, to Margo, and Chad Lopez, and Bo Snurdly for letting me be here on his behalf. And we're going to try to continue that 
today. 800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222. At Rep Wiener is my Twitter handle, even though who knows if they're letting me on there anymore. WienerABC at gmail.com. And all this week, we're doing installments of what – it was a week-long series that – I mean – I've called it kind of the best arguments of the year, meaning the arguments that give me a chance and give all of us a chance that if we want to, to kind of see the other side and see that the other side has some merit and to try to find some common sense solutions. But the good thing about it is that Chris Libertini made us a sounder for it. This is 2022 in review. So here's what we're trying to do. We're taking an issue each day. On Monday, we talked about Hunter Biden and the Twitter scandal, and I kind of went through that issue. It was my favorite, so I started with that. Then we did an, we did, um, an issue about the economy and inflation and who's to blame and some of the forces that I think are to blame and some things that I think left and right can agree upon. And um, then we did uh, – Oh, then we did yesterday the year in Trump, how I think that, you know, Donald Trump is getting a little bit, he's getting tossed aside a bit too easily considering his record for bouncing back from these things. And today I bit off a really big one, and one of the reasons I want to start it right at the top, and that is immigration. Now, first, let me set the table on this subject. Um, If you believe that there's no problem or that you think that this is all, everything is hunky-dory, then you're at one extreme – that I don't think is going to get much out of this conversation. You're welcome to listen. I'm in no position to tell you you can't. This is your show, not mine. But if you're on the other side and you think that we have some magical door somewhere that just needs to be closed or that Joe Biden is creating this problem on purpose because he hates you, you probably won't be happy either. And what I have tried to do, you know, we're up to episode 41. We've been on, on on Saturdays for a while. If there's one thing I've tried to do is to talk up to you, the listener, not down to believe that you understand that nothing in the big problems of the world can be reduced to a a bumper sticker, that there are not easy answers. It's not black and white, but there is a lot of gray. And from my perch, as someone who made laws for a long time, a former politician who will never do that again, I can now – what I can now bring is kind of perspective and context, particularly since I served for quite some time on the Judiciary Committee – But I can tell you it is hard because some things about this discussion about immigration have been said over and over and over again without anyone ever questioning. And it's got a certain red meat quality to it that it is hard to kind of get through to try to have a conversation that has some some nuance to really try to solve problems. But I think that you can. I mean immigration is a hard issue and it's not just a southern border of the United States issue. It's a worldwide issue for the first time in history. There are 100 million people in the, on our globe who have been forcibly displaced that are trying to find out where they're going to go. Men, women, and children of all faiths, of all types. But it's an, also an issue that without doubt we as Americans have failed to handle in a smart way. So I'm going to lay out some facts and then I'm going to give you a comprehensive answer that can be supported by both parties – in the House, in the Senate, and signed by the President, and I bet you I can do it in less than five minutes. But before I do that, the facts. Um, And the facts is it is a mess on our southern border. 
in this fiscal year, which goes from October 1 to October 1, 2.75 million migrants have flooded our our southern border. Is that a lot? Is that a little? Yeah, it's 1 million more than the year before, 2.75 million. Now, it's not really 2.75 million people because the way we do immigration is that we'll toss someone out and then they can just come right back in. And so a lot of people, this is how many times they've kind of interacted, how many interactions there have been. Um, and where are they coming from? Well, they're not coming from Mexico. They're not coming, for the most part, from Mexico. They're coming from Venezuela. They're coming from Cuba. They're coming from Nicaragua. They're even coming from the Ukraine. 20,000 came in from Ukraine on the southern border, and I'll explain why in a moment. And Afghanistan coming in at our southern border again. So why are they coming? Okay. Well, some of them are coming to apply for asylum because they are saying they face religious political persecution or violence. Okay. Can you come here and ask for asylum because you want a job or because you don't like your economic standing in your country? No, you can't do that. I mean, you can do that, but that's not an argument you can make. It's just those three things, religious, political persecution or violence. And, but this year we have the lowest legal immigration we have had any year since 2010. Lowest legal immigration any year since 2010. So with economies in disarray after COVID or after the staggering sanctions that we put on Venezuela, by the way, maybe maybe a million of those people have come just from Venezuela. But over 7.1 million people left Venezuela. 80% are somewhere else in Latin America. They didn't come to our border. To give you an idea, that country only had 28 million people. I mean, I don't want to get off on a tangent, but Venezuela, we put there uh, Maduro, we put on the Maduro administration, this leftist organization, a leftist country, put all these sanctions and destabilize their country. I guess that's what we were trying to do. And a lot of people are coming in for, for asylum because it's the only way in. As I said, legal immigration is down. We don't have a system right now that's functioning to let people in legally. So what, it, so, so what has happened? We now have an asylum backlog. Of 1.6 million people. It's a four-year backlog. And so just to, to, again, to paint you the picture, when you see the, pe- the, the lines of people on television, they have crossed into the border, crossed into the border, and they're now applying. For their pri- they've crossed over the border in, in, in a way you're not supposed to, but once they have their feet in the United States, they then have rights to apply to stay here as asylees. So what about Title 42? You've been hearing a lot about Title 42. Again, I'm just trying to do the facts here. So it's a health rule. It's not an immigration rule. It's an emergency order. It says we have a COVID emergency, which permits our government to override the normal immigration laws. Basically, it's kind of a form of, you know, martial law is too hot a way to put it, but government has to take over, and that's what it is. It lets border agents turn people away when they come to the checkpoints, not when they're already in the country, when they come to the checkpoints. Keep that in mind. By the way, in in irony or hypocrisy, whatever you want to call it, 19 attorneys generals have argued for this to stay in place. And they say in their filing, we are at the height of the pandemic. Yet they argue in their own states that there should be no mask mandates because the pandemic is over. And on the left, They say how outrageous it is that we still have COVID restrictions at the border, and then they're fighting for mask and vaccine mandates on everyone who's here. But again, again, I'm getting getting off on a tangent. And let me make this super important point about the asylum seekers. As I said, if they're on U.S. soil, they can legally apply no matter how they got there. 
So when you see them coming over the river or border between checkpoints and waiting in line to present themselves, they're actually at that point not illegal. They're at that point, they're doing it legally. So Title 14, about 42, which is only something that implies the border agents at the checkpoints, actually makes this worse. Putting that aside for a moment. And what happens when they present themselves? They're asked, do you have a place to go? Do you have kids and how to get there? If you don't have, if you have some place to go, like someone will take care of you, a, a, a family member, an, a non-governmental organization, then we'll help you get there. We, the taxpayer, will help you get there. That's what those flights coming in never made a big deal about. Because they, we, we don't want people all, at the, all in those border communities. They give, you, they give you a paper saying, here's your case number. Here's your responsibility to keep track of your case. Sometimes they'll even give you a phone so they, we can track where you are. And you know what else they say to these, these um, asylum seekers? You may not work while you're waiting. Remember I said it's four years? You're not allowed to work during those four years. They can be COVID tested and gotten vaccines and that kind of stuff. That often happens at the border as well. But they're really on their own unless they have some form of connection. But there are a lot of other problems besides just those asylees. We have 13 million undocumented people already here. We have some bad people mixed in, some terrorist drug, drug um, um, smugglers. We, our resources are strained. We have a whole bunch of people that came here as kids, have grown up here, and now they find out that they're, that they're so-called dreamers. They have to be fixed. So what is the solution to this mess? It may sound like it's impossible. It's not. It is very fixable if everyone is prepared to compromise just a little bit. And when we come back, I'm going to tell you in less than five minutes what that compromise is that will pass the House and the Senate and be signed by the president. And we're going to take your calls. 800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222. This is Anthony Weiner in for James Golden. Thank you so much for joining me. And we'll continue talking about immigration on the other side. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory... Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. This is the Rush Hour with Bose Nerdly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Anthony Weiner in for James Golden. Welcome back at the Boston Early Rush Hour here with you until 5 o'clock. And then John Katsimatidis comes in for Cats and Nights. So we're talking about immigration. And I've kind of laid out some of the structural problems that exist. And I bragged, I say it's a brag, that I can come up with a solution that satisfies the left and the right would get no one completely happy. But satisfy the left and the right would be a compromise if both sides are willing to do it. If we push off the far left, push off the far right, we can get it done. By the way, already up on the board, already up on the board is, is Joe in Long Island is waiting to talk, and, and you can get into 800-84-WABC. He's like, you're off base. I haven't got to my things yet. I'm just doing you facts up to now. So, And I said I can do it in five minutes. I'm going to do it in five minutes. Rich, you can go ahead and start the clock. And because we have to do it kind of quick because I think that, I think that uh, Curtis Lee was going to be calling in with his pot report, and then we can get to all of your calls. So 
what's the solution to this problem? It's not hard if people are willing to compromise a little bit. Item number one, clean up the asylum program. This program that people are coming in for, make it fast and certain. Why is it taking so long? Because we refuse to hire all these administrative judges that have to hear these cases. A simple change in the law that says administrative officers empowered by the court, you make the process take weeks, not years. If you don't, we, we keep the proceedings near the border. We expel those who don't qualify. No more four years waiting around in the country. That would discourage people from using this process, thinking they're going to at least buy four years. Two, create a program to separate the wheat from the chaff. If you're undocumented and you, in this country, under any circumstances, you step forward and show that you have paid your taxes, you've been a law-abiding citizen, you learned our language, you learned our constitution, we are going to give you a card, a one that can't be duplicated. You're going to pay a fine. It's not amnesty. You're going to be punished. You're going to pay a fine. And then you're going to go not to the front of the line, but to the end of the line. And then you're going to be able to stay and work with that card and, if, and, and travel back and forth if you want to to your home country with that card. If you're an employer and you employ someone who brings in a fake Social Security number and or doesn't have that card, you are just as much a felon as the person that came in and tried to do it. Employers have to be part of the answer to the illegal immigration problem. Number four, create a program like we used to have that is now won't is not happening anymore for seasonal workers, particularly food workers. We have 10 million unfilled jobs right now. And a big part of food inflation is we don't have a workers. We have a worker shortage. So if you want to come in and pick almonds for a couple of months, come in and pick strawberries, come in and do seasonal work. Fine. Rather right. Cause right now, All of those workers and all of the undocumented workers I just mentioned, we're not keeping them out. We're keeping them in because they get in, they do the work with a fake Social Security card, and then they can't leave because they're afraid to risk it. They're stuck in rather than out. All right? So that's something you do. Next, we make it harder to come in um, legally, and we catch the bad guys. Like we basically make – we we have standards, but – and part of the way of doing that is that – You build the wall. Yes, I'm in favor of building the wall. I'm in favor of building any kind of barriers that help. I'm in favor of a a law that would have at at our border crossings have to have special scanning technology so we can stop the fentanyl trade. If we're going to make a smaller haystack to search in, we have to reinforce our border. That part of the compromise some progressives may not like, but tough tacos. And then we have to set up a legal immigration program to figure out how we attract and keep the very best. We're still going to have some asylums. We're still going to have some people who come here as refugees. We should. We're the leaders of the free world. We have a low birth rate, the lowest birth rate in our country at any time. We need immigration. Europe and parts of Asia are collapsing from lack of it. 44%. Here's an interesting number. 44% of Fortune 500 companies have either a founder who is an immigrant or a child of one. If we're at war with China, if we're at war with China, what we should be doing is taking their best and brightest. And then the final thing that we should do. We should solve more of these problems in their home countries before they get here. I get it. I don't like Venezuela either. But we have to think through things when we collapse a country where they are and create these huge immigration problems. We have to think it through. We have to come up with incentives that people go to the, our embassy in their country, not show up at our border. And when we have things like people who are here and they have children in Central America, let the children come here rather than have people feel like they have to sneak back and forth to try to rescue their kids or be with their kids. They're common sense things to do. And Rich will tell you that was four minutes and 18 seconds. So we're going to 
chew on that. 358. See, I came up a little bit. I have a few more seconds. I got a whole nother minute I can do if I would, but I don't need it. And so here's, here's what we need about that. Here, here's the thing about that. Everything that I said has a little something the left doesn't like and a little something the right doesn't like. Every single element. And if we just say to the people that say anytime you do anything on this problem, we're going to call you, uh, 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 say you for amnesty. Anyone on the left is going to get a primary if they do anything that says, no, we can't take every last human being who wants to come here. And we just talk about the middle in this country, we can get something done. So think about that for a moment or two. 800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222. Maybe to think about the heavy issue of immigration, what we really need is a little bit of a calming influence in our life. Maybe we need some to meditate. Maybe we need to say some Zen chants. Or maybe we need a little bit of legal cannabis. And maybe that, maybe our friend Curtis Lee can tell us, can we now... Get a little doggy downer to, or a puppy upper to help us with our day. What's going on down there at the first dispensary, Curtis? Oh, yeah, the doors are open. The crowds are flooding in to get their legal weed. But you know me, Anthony. I went right to Washington Square Park, which is the Mecca, the Medina, of people selling herbs since the days of the beatniks in the 60s. And they had 24 trays out of all kinds of marijuana products, undercutting the price of the legal weed being stole, if sold in this first New York State licensed store. They give you credit. They let you test the product, puff, puff, pass. They'll deliver it, and they'll sell you from California, which New York State cannot do. They can only sell you New York State-grown marijuana, which cannot compete with what is grown in the Humboldt County area of Northern California. So the underground... Uh, the black market has a distinct advantage, although they'll sell a lot, and they are going to sell a lot today and in days to come. I don't know if they can uh, deal with the overhead of a brick-and-mortar store, all of the salaries they have to pay, the compensation, and the pricing. They just can't compete with the pricing in the black market. You know, Curtis, you and I have talked about this on our show, Left versus Right. You know, I see all these politicians down there celebrating the opening of the store. They're even going in buying some for themselves. I get the sense that regular New Yorkers are a little bit nervous about the idea of a proliferation of marijuana being sold on the same blocks as a, as a, a sporting goods store and as a bodega. I mean, what, what, are, what, what do you sense from talking to people out there about whether they think this is an advance or maybe a little bit of a troubling setback? Well, remember, we're here in Greenwich Village. Uh, they, they, they've lived this uh, bohemian lifestyle for quite some time. Now, if you went into Bensonhurst or you went into Bay Ridge or you went into Middle Village or Glendale or if you went into Throgs Neck, they probably wouldn't see it that way. So right now, uh, the first opening is in a place where it's always been sold openly, openly, Greenwich Village, and now the competition begins. This is where capitalism kicks in. Uh, The buyer, well, it's their advantage. They can buy it legally or they can buy it illegally. One thing they know. They're not going to get arrested. They're not going to get ticketed because it's no longer a crime in New York State. And let me ask you another question. As you walk around the neighborhood there, and that's not far from from where I live, does it look like they've done a sweep to close up the illegal vape shops that are selling it and the illegal bodegas that are selling it in the back of the store? It seems like they've cracked down on that. Anthony Weiner, there's not a police officer in sight. There's been no crackdown. The same uh, pop-up weed stores are still selling. And like I said, you go to Washington Square Park. Everybody knows they can go there. 
and they can cop whatever marijuana products because they sell 24-7, 365. They deliver. They give you credit. They let you sample. And most importantly, there's no taxes to pay. So the competition is on. We should have done it the Jersey way, Anthony. Just like with no cash bail, Jersey did it better. And Jersey did the implementation of the recreational sale and use of legal marijuana 10,000 times better than New York State. Yeah, I mean, look, there there are reasons to be concerned about this, among other, is a lot of people are now going to wander into this store, maybe even get into the, into the idea of using marijuana, who have no experience with it. They're not going to realize they're impaired. There is a lot of research that that needs to get done to make sure that it's not a gateway drug. I, I have some concerns as someone who's, look, I'm a libertarian guy. That's where my the liberal comes from. But I am really concerned about this. But I want to say thank you, Curtis. You know, if, if whenever we have a, a drug story to do, you're always Johnny on the spot. Well, you know, I did a Bill Clinton. I sampled, but I didn't inhale. <laughs> I did not inhale. Well, actually, you should see something if they have anything in the store there that helps you stay up and do a 22-hour shift. Because, as you know, ABC always broadcasting Curtis. Thanks a lot, buddy. You got it. And when we come back, uh, we'll uh, pick up our conversation about immigration. I want to thank Curtis Lewa for being there on the spot, as he always is. ABC, we're about news, we're about views, we're about Curtis Lewa talking about his drug consumption here on the radio. When we come back, more about immigration, 800-848-WABC. This is Anthony Weiner J- in for James Golden. We'll see you on the other side. This is The Rush Hour with Bo Snerdley on the Red Apple Podcast Network. And welcome back to the Bo Snerdley Rush Hour. This is Anthony Weiner filling in for James Golden. I guess uh, we're a big country, that's true, but that doesn't mean we don't have our limits we're talking about immigration. We're also keeping in our thoughts and in our prayers the family of Firefighter William Moon, who's laid to rest today. And may his memory be a blessing, and may we keep in mind every day just the service that those men and women in uniform pay to us. We walk by their firehouses all the time, stop and say a quick hello and a thank you, because they're um, they're struggling today. So we're talking about immigration. I laid out in a very fast way, probably for the purpose of this conversation, too fast, but just kind of the idea of what I thought the principles were that we can use to get to a compromise. By the way, I didn't make that stuff up. That's not Anthony Weiner coming up with stuff. That was the foundation of the agreement back in, I don't know, the early to mid-2000s about um, the Gang of Eight. There were eight senators that got together. I was part of a House delegation that was involved in it. Um, I think it was under actually under W. It was under Bush. And if you remember... Um, a guy named Marco Rubio, you know, a senator from Florida. He was seen as the golden boy of the party. He was part of that group. So was Lindsey Graham, by the way. And he got eviscerated because the far right of the party came at him and said, you're in favor of amnesty. And those of us who were Democrats, people came at us saying, well, you're trying, you're sitting down at common cause with people who are xenophobes or haters or whatever it is. And the problem is that if you don't push off the left and the right in this conversation, it's really hard to get stuff done. But the principles I, I, I lay down there in that four-minute recitation 
are the principles I think can help us get to compromise. So let me get to a lot. Of, I'm going to try to get as many calls as possible because I know people have a lot to say. And I name-checked him earlier, so let's get Joe on the air. Joe in Long Island. Joe, thank you so much for waiting. Hello. Uh, uh, I think you're, you're, you're wrong. You don't see the, the point of it. The point of it is we're borrowing so much money, all right, from China or wherever we're borrowing from to give it to illegal aliens. The law says they're supposed to be detained for, until their hearing comes no, up. No, not true, Joe. That's not true. Well, I, also, also, we shouldn't take in more than we can we can process, meaning have their hearings in a six-month period. That, that's, that's number one. And number two, live, as a New Yorker, my mayor uh, spent all this money on illegal aliens, this, that, and the other thing, and now he's crying. And I hear things that he wants to – he's thinking about running for president. Right, hold Joe, Joe, before, before you get into Eric Adams' aspirations, I appreciate the call. I appreciate you waiting online. But it really does sound like you didn't hear the different things that I was saying. First of all, if you are here on U.S. soil, you have a right to apply for asylum. You are then not illegal. You are in a process, a lawful process that takes way too long. True. That should be much quicker. True. But it's a lawful process that we have under the law. I think maybe we want to think about changing that, but it's the law and we're a law-abiding country. Now, they came in this way because we didn't leave other ways. We Our system is completely broken. And as far as like the money we're borrowing from China to give to the undocumented, they're not eligible for, they're eligible for virtually no government programs. A lot of the money that they're getting is from NGOs. But yes, there are cases that we, they, just like any other homeless person here in New York, they have a right to housing. Unfortunately, I don't believe that's a great idea either. That's a, that's a court decree. But this is the problem. I lay out the facts here and I lay out what the law is. And the first call is someone who says, would they have to be lawfully detained? No, that is not the law. That is not the law. If they're in the United States, however they got here and they got here traveling by, you know, whatever, thousands of miles and crossing over uh, other countries. And sometimes they got caught and sent back and they tried again. So that's the situation. Nancy Rockaway has been waiting a while. Nancy, go ahead. Thank you for, for joining in on the Boston Early Rush Hour. Hi, I, I liked your list of um, conditions, but I want to know in the meantime why we have to pay for them. Well, pay I what? Yeah, I mean, we've me. like he uh, Eric Adams is screaming for federal funding, which is everybody's tax dollars, and I don't understand why we owe the whole world. Like we don't why? have to, Nancy. You've, you're you're asking the right question. You're asking the right question. We don't. And a much better scenario is to transport them someplace that they have support, meaning that's why we were do, flying flights all around the country. You remember Rob Astorino complaining they were landing in the middle of the night. That's one of the reasons we do that is so that they're not all in one community. They're getting spread out to where they need to go. We in New York State, we in New York City have a different scenario than other cities do. We have a court order that dates back to before the Giuliani time. that was in place through Giuliani and other times that said – we, you have a right to housing in New York State, whether you're a homeless person that got here as an immigrant or a homeless people that came here from Kansas City, Missouri, looking to be on Broadway. That's something that's in our law. Now, New York ultimately, in the final analysis, winds up benefiting a lot more from immigration than losing. But we have to figure this out. That's why the first thing or one of the first things that we have to do 
is figure out. So one proposal, maybe people think is a good idea, is have the federal government set up like a refugee camp at the border. The problem with that is the people who live on the who in America don't want that. And also some people think that it would just encourage more people to come. I mean, this defies it is defies a simple answer. But that's what the that's the 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 money part of it. And by the way, we're going to have to, I think, invest a heck of a lot of money in additional security and additional border crossings. Oh, you want to hear something crazy? You know that big supplemental that just passed? There was a 17% increase for border security. I've heard some hosts here say that they forgot to do that. No, that was in there, 17%. But you know what took a cut? Processing asylum applications. Because there are conservative voices who say, no, that's that's amnesty. No, it's getting these people quickly turned around should be, everyone should agree on that. I mean, that I'm telling you, this is this issue requires some nuance. It's not just throw the bums out, lock the doors. Hey, Mike and Wayne, do you agree? Uh, yes or no, but just answer one question for me, sir. Um, was Trump's policies working? Well, we had a lot then, too. Remember the caravans that he talked about? They, they were coming then, too. And it never got here. And, no, that's not. Are you kidding? They, they certainly did get here. Well, don't, don't you remember you know all? Next, what about? Look, the policies, you can say it worked. Remember, they were locking up kids. Mexico had 26,000 soldiers at the border. Now they're busing them for us to the border right. to bring them here. What about what about when they come to a country? They're supposed to do what, Anthony? Go to the what? When they're, they're seeking asylum. I understand. Where? But what you say did. But but again, if we're going to compare issues, apples to apples, let's do it right. One of the reasons that we're in this situation that so many people are coming this 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 way that is not the way they're supposed to is we completely shut down the ways that they are supposed to. And so this is what, by the way, something else happened, by the way, under the Trump administration, they put sanctions on Maduro, right? The socialist government of Maduro. We hate the socialist government of Maduro. We completely collapsed that company, the country. We cut it off all their revenue. They now have 7.1 million people left their country to come here. Now, I don't. I, I all these people. You guys hate socialists, and we dis and we stop a socialist country, and and these people flee socialism, and we don't want to let them in here. That was created by Trump. Now, I agreed with the policy. I still do. Maduro is not a good guy, but I'm just saying that you can't just look at a moment in time. And say, oh, well, that worked. It didn't. These are complicated things. Go ahead, Mike. Well, I'm, I'm just saying the numbers speak for themselves, Anthony. And when's the last time you saw immigrants with a president's name on it saying, Biden, please let us in? And this is all orchestrated by him and the Democrats. I don't care what you say. Well, if you don't care what I say, I can't help you. But if you care what I say, what I say is it's not. Do you think Biden is benefiting from this? It, this is the this is probably the second or third biggest issue that people voted against uh, Democrats in the midterm election. We're getting killed on this. By the way, what makes you why are you so sure that chaos creation wasn't the purpose of the previous administration? I, I look, I don't care the politics about this. I, I really don't. I've been doing I, you know, I was working on this in Congress. I've been in New York a long time. I, I, I don't have a you know, whatever. I, I, but I'm telling you, you can't go do a victory dance in the end zone over the Trump policies when we, we have third, the same 13 million undocumented people then. What law got changed to deal with that? What law got changed to fix this, immigra- this asylum problem? 
The only thing I remember them doing is locking kids in cages, and they eventually had to run away with their tail between their legs, say, oh, we can't do that. Of course you can't do that. This is a mess, and it's gotten no better a mess. So even if you believe ideologically we shouldn't have one more human being come into the country, go ahead, you're going to catch all whatever? By the way, we've had more arrests at the border under Biden by far than Trump. We've had more um, drug, uh, drug interdictions under Biden by far. Not because Biden's doing a better job, just because there's more of it coming. It's a mess. It's a mess. And, but I'm offering a compromise plan that addresses all of this stuff. Yes, build the wall. Yes, build the barriers. Yes, hire more Border Patrol officers. Yes, deal with asylum at the border in, in, in four weeks, about four years. Yes to all of that stuff. But also as part of the solution is we have to have a process for the people who are fleeing to come here to do things that we all say we kind of want. We have 10 million unfilled jobs. A lot of them have led to an inflation uh, inflation in food. Let's get some more calls. Um, Rich in Connecticut. Go ahead, Rich. Yes. Uh, hi, Anthony. Uh, in 1986, Schumer negotiated under Reagan uh, a compromise and the conservatives kept their part of the compromise, which was to allow the about 2 million illegals at the time to get citizenship. And the Democrats, the liberals, broke the compromise. We're not going to be fooled again. What I are you referring to, Rich? What are you referring to breaking the compromise? What part? The, 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 immig- the, the, the part of the compromise, the compromise was conservatives allow the uh, two million illegals to go, uh, or much of them, to go on a path for citizenship, those that qualified. And the Democrats, the liberals, they're part of the bargain of the great compromise that Schumer negotiated and said would work and the, that the uh, southern border would be so secure that it would be like having one officer every thousand feet, one immigration officer every thousand feet. And the liberals, the Democrats, did not keep their part of the bargain the, and now we're being asked to have the same compromise again. And I left the Democratic Party over the lies of the liberals and the Democrats on that. And That's fair enough. Well, Rich, let me tell you, um, let me get on the line someone who was there at the time. Oh, wait a minute. I was there at the time. And Rich, you are not a, you're not wrong in that that Chuck Schumer did. Um, I, I got there in 1985. I was a fly on the wall. It was not a big deal like you know, staffer, like, you know, uh, changing lines. In the, but what the conservatives wanted then, just to give you an idea on how much has changed since 1986, you know what the conservatives wanted then? What the the um, the Chamber of Commerce wanted? What the, uh, re- what the immigration reform uh, hardliners wanted? They wanted a, um, a farm worker program, a temporary farm worker program to help with their farm, with for their big businesses that were trying to deal with farm worker problems. And it was mostly a legal immigration thing about how many uh, people were going to come in. At that time, the concern was around family unification, bringing in you know Irish families that had been separated, et cetera. It wasn't perfect, but you know what it was? And it was an example of how every so often we have to go back and adjust this stuff. Rich, Rich is not wrong. I don't think that – I don't think people were being venal. I don't know – you know, he didn't – you know, hasn't said it. You know, what liberal, so to speak – didn't did or did not do, but it certainly made things better, except for one problem that Rich is not wrong about. 
And that is that still many people that came in and overstayed their visas, and this is true of people who come in with high-tech visas, people come in farm worker visas, and like they come and they overstay, and now they've been here for a long time. That's true. Those people are still here, and we have to figure out what to do with them. My plan to do with them is do something that was harder to do then that's possible now. You get, you get a document that's impossible to forge. You have people – you step forward and you get this document. If you don't, we're coming after you. Basically, needle in a haystack, the haystack gets a lot smaller. And um, and that's the legal immigration side, and we got to separate that from the from from the the from the the um, the the illegal side. Let's go to Andrew and suffering. Uh, this must be Suffolk County, right, Andrew? Yes, how are you doing, Anthony? I'm doing well, Andrew. Thank you. Okay, let's talk about a few points. Um, the wall, which you agree with. Why did the Democrats throughout his whole tenure? Fight Trump so vehemently on the border wall. Well, That's a bad look for them. Yeah, well, That's here's why. Here, here's why. Because, and I appreciate Andrew, because it doesn't really do anything. Um, there are parts of the border you can't cover with the wall. There was one of the biggest fentanyl busts that that um, that we ever had in the United States was a a tunnel that went underneath an existing wall and came up into into, into uh, an area outside of San Diego, right into a warehouse. A wall is not. The answer. However, in my view, a wall is part of a compromise. It's part of the left saying, hey, we don't get all that we want. Um, I mean, the wall is not where you, – if you have the Rio Grande River, you're not going to build a wall on the Rio Grande River. And also the other reason the wall is still not getting built is because these are private property. You're not building in, in, in Mexico. We're building it on property owners, uh, a, a land – in um, in the United States, and so they're stuck in lawsuits about whether or not you can go ahead and do that. We have some more calls on the board. I'm enjoying the conversation. I'm t- I don't want to get animated by it. I'm just wanting you know to make sure that we can, as we say in Yiddish, talk talkless about it, be honest about it. I'm going to be here for a little while longer, 800-848-WABC, and then Cats at Night comes in at 5 o'clock. We'll take some more calls. This is Anthony Weiner filling in for James Golden. Handling legal matters is stressful. So let the law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. provide you with the insightful counsel you deserve. The law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. has successfully handled thousands of cases for 25 plus years. They focus on elder law and estate planning, but are equipped to navigate you through all stages of family law and divorce to real estate law and probate. The law offices of Frank Bruno. Call 718-418-5000 or visit them at frankbrunolaw.com. That's frankbrunolaw.com. Frank Bruno. He's your numero uno. This is the Rush Hour with Bose Nerdly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. And welcome back to the Bose Nerdly Rush Hour. Anthony Weiner filling in for James Golden. I want to express my gratitude. The calls have been excellent. This is a, a tough issue. Um, it's not something I look, it is one of those issues that if I got, if somehow we can get all of the listeners to our station into a room and we had a conversation about where we have all the laid out all the facts and said, all right, how's, how are we going to do this? Let's take the different values that we have. We want to have a thriving economy. We want to be a country that is a beacon to the world. We want to have law and order. We want to have, we want to be able to afford the things that we have. This is a solvable, this is a solvable problem, but the problem is the demagogues who want to, you know, you gotta, if you want to fix this, you hate the country. Or if you 
if you believe in a certain policy, you hate the country. No, we love this country. We love this country. We want it to thrive. Um, politics is not about one side is evil and one side is righteous. Politics is about a tool and a way we work together to come up with answers to tough problems. All the easy answers in our country are done. The easy stuff's done. Everything here is going to be hard. And immigration, not only is it hard, but it's like dominoes falling in Syria lead to people showing up on our border. And when people who are fleeing war in Ukraine have to come to the southern border because it's the only place to get in, that's a problem. But I want to thank you for, for the patience. This is a tough issue. On, on the middle of this week, which is a show I do at 2, two o'clock on Saturdays, we're going to do a prediction. I hope you stick, stick, uh, you uh, join in for that. Stay here for Cats at Night at 5 to 6. This is Anthony Weiner expressing my gratitude to all of you. Thank you for letting me be part of your evening. And I am grateful for each and every one of you. Thanks. James Golden, known popularly as Bo Snurdly. This is The Rush Hour with Bo Snurdly. Rush. On the Red Apple Podcast Network.